Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Friday, October 16th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Going to talk about my thoughts here for week six in the Circus Sports Million off of a 5-0 and week last week. Looking to continue that momentum here into week six. A lot of momentum for our content over at ATS.io. We got lots of picks and predictions articles. I've written up a couple of things here so far today, taking a look at some sharp money out in the college football and the NFL betting markets as we head on into the weekend. Certainly encourage you to check that out. Also check out our sportsbook reviews over at ATS.io, taking a look at all of the legal U.S. sportsbooks. And make sure you check out our sportsbook promotion section as well. Some very good stuff, some very good promotions coming up here this weekend, including over at BetMGM, a new user offer. Sign up, bet a dollar on any game on this NFL Sunday. And if a touchdown is scored in any game, you will win $100 in free bets over at BetMGM. So make sure you head on over there. Also check out our exclusive sign-up bonus for BetMGM Sportsbook over at ATS.io. If you missed anything here this week on ATS Radio, Pretty easy to go back and get it. Anywhere you stream and download your podcast content, you will see ATS Radio. Or you can head over to the website, ATS.io, and check out the past editions of the radio show. Do a little bit of searching on the site. You'll find those from this week. And again, keep in mind that going forward here, we will be switching Kyle Hunter from Mondays to Wednesdays. So ATS Radio, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, We'll see if I add a Monday show down the line here a little bit, or maybe just move the betters box to Mondays to maybe make things a little bit easier on myself. But that's an update of what we've got going on here on ATS Radio. And an update of what's going on here in the Circus Sports Million to start things off. As I mentioned, 5-0 last week, 16-8-1 now for the season. Uh, if I wasn't fading Russell Wilson, I'd be 16-5-1. Last week, of course, the Vikings do get that cover against Russ. That was on my short list of plays. So it figures that the one time I don't fade the Seahawks, uh, they do fail to cover. But, you know, hey, whatever. Things happen. Still went 5-0 and last week. 16-8-1 for the year. Good start to the second quarter. Again, $187,000 for first place. $75,000 for second. $25,000 for third. For those quarter prizes in the circle that will be handed out after weeks 8, 12, and 17. Started 5-0, and but so did 196 other entries. So plenty of work to do here for all of us that went 5-0 and last week. Hopefully, I will continue that trend here on into week six. Our other entry, ATS.io-1, 3-2 last week, 12-13 on the season. My entry, of course, ATS.io-2. The circuit field last week, 58.37%. That did set the high water mark as the best week in Circa contest history. Of course, 22 weeks so far in the Circa with the inaugural season last year, then five weeks this year. 58.27% was the previous high in week three of the 2019 season. So last week comes in at 58.37%. Now 52.6% for the season as a whole. 40,556 covers, 36,540 losses, 1,209 pushes. However, the games that were not played last week, Denver, New England, and then Buffalo and Tennessee not played until Tuesday, those games that don't get played by Monday evening 
are pushes in the Circus Sports Million. So those games will count as ties if we have any more of those going forward, and I would certainly expect that we do. But anybody that was on Denver, New England, and Buffalo, Tennessee last week got a half point as a push for those games. And again, there could be a strategic element to that as we go throughout the contest here where, you know, maybe a half point better than a coin flip in a game that, you know, you're not sure if you're going to win or lose, but maybe you've got a limited number of games to pick from something like that. So that is something to keep in mind here is that those games that are not played by Tuesday at 1 a.m. do count as pushes for a half point here in the Circus Sports Million. Sunny San Diego dash one, your leader, 21 and a half points. Aaron White and Presence tied for second with 20.5. Last week, the consensus 10-3 and two, the two pushes, of course, as I just mentioned, the games that were not played. Top five consensus last week went 5-0, and explains why the field did so well overall. The consensus, the most selected side in each game, 41, 34, and 3 on the year. The top five consensus after last week's 5-0, and now 16-9. and That is an excellent record for the top five picks. We generally see the top five consensus somewhere around 50% year in and year out. So I do expect that to regress here as the season goes along. Whether or not that's this week or in subsequent weeks, I don't know. But I really don't expect the top five consensus to be coming in at a 64% clip throughout the course of the season. There are 60 picks left to go. Million for first, 300K for second, 100K for third, 75K for fourth, 50K for fifth. Top 50 plus ties getting paid in the Circus Sports Million this year. $100,000 booby prize for last place. If you make all 85 picks and still wind up with the lowest point total, you'll get $100,000 in a booby prize from Circus Sports. And again, the quarter prize is the big thing here in this contest after week eight, after week 12, after week 17, $287,000 in total prizes, $187,000 if you win a quarter as Sunny San Diego Dash 1 did for the first quarter and as all of us are vying for here in the second quarter. We're not in the super contest, but we've been covering it over at ATS.io and I've been mentioning it in passing here on our Friday shows of ATS Radio. 57.79% was the success rate for the Super Contest in Week 5, now 51.33% for the season. The consensus was 10-3 and three last week. Top 5 went 4-1. and one. ODBMG2 is your leader over in the, circa, or in the Super Contest, excuse me, at 22-3. and three. Phenomenal start to the season, to say the least. The Super Contest Gold, winner take all, 72 entrants in that, 52.64% on the season. And I believe the leader in the Super Contest Gold has, oh boy, 16 and a half points, something like that, 17 and a half points. Uh, so you know, the Gold field not doing as well at the top as the you know, traditional Super Contest field. We'll see if that continues to be the case here over the course of the season. But something interesting, a big difference between the two contests here, COVID games, games that are postponed and not played by Tuesday at 1 a.m. or Monday at 11, whatever the house rules are there at the Superbook, those count as losses. So in the Circa, it's a push. And the worst case scenario is 
you get a half point if the game's not played. Over in the Super Contest, both sides of that game get zero points. So you could be a little bit more risk tolerant in the Circus Sports Million regarding these games with potential COVID situations. And of course, here this week, you know, all the Colts came back with false positives. Uh, We do still have the positives with the Falcons, although it seems like it's still all systems go in that game. Uh, You know, again, these COVID games will continue to pop up. We are seeing sporadic spikes throughout the U.S. once again. So those games will be popping up. And of course, you know, you've got to decide if you want to shy away from those games or take those chances if you really like them. And I think in the Circa, you can take more chances because, again, you will get that half point if that game is not played. So as a general rule here, with the Week 6 card, there are a lot of things that I like. Uh, There are varying degrees of how much I like some of these lines here for this week. But I do have three games I would consider picks at this point in time, then a list of four leans. And there are even some games that are kind of close to being leans that if some COVID situations or some injury reports kind of pop up here uh, over the next 24 to 26 hours, I may be making some changes to my Circa card, just a matter of seeing how things shake out a little bit here. But as I mentioned last week on the show, our picks are due into our proxy by 4 p.m. Eastern time on Saturdays, and we are waiting as long as we possibly can to get those picks submitted. Again, two weeks ago, we saw the Cam Newton positive test Uh, very close to the deadline on Saturday around noon Eastern time. So those are things that we now have to account for and do have to worry about. So got a lot of time to still put these picks in for week six, but here are the thoughts that I have as of Friday, uh, late morning Eastern time here. We'll start with number three, the Detroit Lions, minus three and a half here as they take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. These are my list of picks here uh, at the top of this portion of the show. The Lions are the only team in the NFL to have played all their games against a team with a winning record. So they are stepping down in class in a very big way here against the Jaguars. And furthermore, the Lions are off of a bye. So they had the opportunity to get that secondary a little bit healthier, had the opportunity to kind of figure some more things out on the offensive side. And when you look at Jacksonville here, they are who we thought they were. You know, over the last three games here, they're minus 42 in point differential. They've been gashed on the ground. They've been beaten up through the air. And they're a very one-dimensional team on offense. And, you know, I understand that we've had this big movement in the quant crowd to really focus on the passing games. Because the passing games, you move the ball easier in chunks through the air than you do on the ground. It's quite simple. But when you look at what's happening here in the NFL this season, Teams that run the rock are having quite a bit of success. And that's not to say that the Lions have a potent rushing attack or anything like that, but it is simply to say that Jacksonville is very one-dimensional. They cannot run the football. They rely a lot on Gardner Minshew and a lot on the wide receivers that they have. And I get it. Jack or Detroit is not great defensively. They've not played all that well at this point in the season. But again, they're off a bye. They're healthier in the secondary. They take care of the football. They do a better job of taking care of the football than Jacksonville does. And again, I think that's a really important thing. If you can try and handicap turnover margin and be on the right side of that more often than not, you've got a good chance here in the NFL. And a lot of times when I have really bad weeks, I don't think the handicaps are that bad. I just wind up on the wrong side of the turnover margin. 
In this game, I think Detroit takes better care of the football than Jacksonville does. I think Detroit benefits from the bye week. I think Jacksonville is who we thought they were. The Jags don't get a whole lot of pressure. I like the Lions minus three and a half here. And you may say, okay, Adam, but you know, you can get Lions minus three out there in the betting market. Do you really want to take three and a half? Do you really want to deal with the hook? And to me, look, three is an important number. It always has been. It always will be in the NFL. But when you look at the total for this game, up towards the mid-50s, extra possessions, extra scoring, I don't worry so much about the hook, the half point in this game. I think three and a half on the Lions is just fine. It's you know less important, those key numbers, uh, you know, in the three range in, with an expectation of a higher scoring game. And we do have that expectation here. You know, we're getting missed extra points and two-point conversions and all those types of things. I don't think the hook comes into play. If it does, so be it. But I do like the Lions here, minus three and a half, as the first of my very likely picks for week six in the Circus Sports Million. Next up, another NFC North team here, and that's the Minnesota Vikings, who are a four-point favorite against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, this, in all likelihood, will be a consensus play, and I do have some plays this week that I think will go against the consensus a little bit. Last week, I matched on four of the top five. I got very fortunate that all of those games came through. This one, I think, will be in the top five consensus, but I still like Minnesota for a variety of different reasons here in this game. The COVID concerns do seem to be tempered a little bit now with Atlanta, which is a good thing. I do want this game to be played because I do like Minnesota in this spot. You'll see a comparison here between what happened last week with the Texans and what could happen this week with the Falcons because the Falcons no longer have Dan Quinn. And as I talked about last week, and as we've seen across the board in sports for a long time, When the head coach gets fired or replaced, there's usually a bump in that next game. The difference here is that Dan Quinn was well-liked, and you're seeing a lot of stuff coming out this week. And, you know, Dan Quinn having a very positive post uh, in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and kind of speaking to the fans and all that. But a lot of people liked Dan Quinn. The players liked Dan Quinn. Last year, Dan Quinn was pretty much fired, and the players rallied, saved his job, and, you know, the, the Falcons go into the season with him this year, and it winds up not working out. So this was a business decision. This wasn't because Dan Quinn pissed anybody off or anything like that. Dan Quinn was a well-liked guy who's a better defensive coordinator than a head coach, period. It's that simple. With the Texans, nobody liked Bill O'Brien. You know, Bill O'Brien was a guy that had lost the locker room. He was, you know, the all-everything GM and head coach things really weren't working out there. And a large part of that was because people didn't get along with Bill O'Brien. So I think the Texans got to play lighthearted. I think the Texans got that weight off of their backs. I don't think the Falcons play with that same kind of angle, that same sort of mindset here this week, not to mention the Jaguars aren't very good. And the Vikings, I think are a pretty good team in spite of how the season started for them. Now, as far as, you know, some more tangible things, more black and white with some statistics here. The Vikings are 13 for 17 in the red zone and the Falcons are nine for 17. In a game with an expectation of a lot of points, once again, you need sevens instead of threes. The Vikings get sevens. They've got Thielen, they've got Jefferson, they've got Cook, 
They've got, you know, skill position talent that can get them in the end zone. The Falcons really don't have that. You know, Julio Jones has been banged up for, what, the last three, four years. He's not the same player he used to be. The loss of Austin Hooper is a big deal in the red zone because you can get a lot of matchup advantages against linebackers and safeties and even the occasional defensive end that drops back in coverage. So I think the Falcons have been hurt by that. So you got to get sevens instead of threes, and I trust the Vikings to get sevens over the Falcons getting threes here in this game. Another thing is that, look, this Vikings defense is talent deficient. They had a ton of turnover from last year. Anthony Barr is a big injury for them. But they're still first in third down rate against at 27.8%. Mike Zimmer is a great play caller. And I'm really concerned with Atlanta and their play calling on both sides of the ball right now. That's a big reason why they have not played well the last couple of years under Dan Quinn. I think there is talent here. But I don't think that talent is maximized. And Zimmer, who doesn't have a lot of talent on defense, has at least done really well on third down. Now, the Vikings have given up a lot of points. That is very true. But also, they're facing the worst starting average field position on defense. And I think in this game, that is something that they should benefit from a little bit more than in past games because Atlanta is so banged up in the secondary. Neil, Allen, Casey, all of these guys hurt. Maybe they'll play, maybe they won't, but the Falcons are 31st in points allowed per drive. So they've given up a lot of points this season on a lot of drives, and that's with better average starting field position than what the Vikings have had to contend with. Matt Ryan has taken care of the football, but Atlanta's just not explosive. And in a game with a high total, you got to be explosive. You got to cash in in the red zone. You got to stay on the field on third down. And I don't think that Atlanta wins in any of those three areas here this week. So give me the Vikings, minus four, number five in the Circus Sports Million rotation order, uh, minus four here the play on Minnesota from a second of three very likely picks. The other one here is the Dallas Cowboys, number 26, plus one and a half playing on Monday night against the Arizona Cardinals. We've seen this talked about a lot here uh, throughout the sports betting landscape this week. I believe there has been an overreaction to the Dak Prescott injury. Now, over the long term, Dak Prescott is significantly better than Andy Dalton. That much is true. But one week later, you still have the Cowboys with this elite skill position talent. They've got three excellent wide receivers. They've got two very good running backs. Yeah, the offensive line injuries have been a problem. But Andy Dalton, plenty experienced, best backup quarterback in the league. He's probably slightly below average as a starter. I I would say that's probably fair. But when you look at Dalton and when you look at what he had to deal with in his last few years in Cincinnati, A.J. Green wasn't the same player. Tyler Eifert was never in the lineup. They never had really a wide receiver too until Tyler Boyd started to emerge late in Dalton's tenure with the Bengals. He's got much better talent to work with here with this Dallas offense. Dallas, sixth in yards per reception. Cardinals have allowed the second most yards after catch. So it's not like Dalton's got to go vertical here and really try to beat Arizona downfield. He's just got to put the ball in his receiver's hands and let them eat because the Cardinals are not a good tackling team. They do allow a lot of yards after the catch. So I think those are all beneficial things here for this Dallas offense. Look, the Dallas defense sucks. 
I get it. You get it. I know it. You know it. We all know it. The Dallas defense isn't any good. And it's a big worry. And I will admit that here with this pick on the Cowboys. Leighton Vander Esch is kind of running around at practice. So, you know, at least there's that. To me, though, I, I think what you look for here is the Dallas defense to step up and, and just play harder, play with more focus, play with more engagement, maybe play a little bit more aggressively because this is that superstar subtraction theory at work. You lose a quarterback like Dak Prescott, probably a top five quarterback, well, maybe top eight quarterback in the NFL. Everybody's got to pick up some more of the load. And I think defensively for Dallas, you know, obviously they should have been playing a little bit harder and a little bit stronger, you know, just to simply make amends for how embarrassing they've been. But I do think here that you've got a Cowboys defense that I think will answer the call. I think that, you know, when you get this situation, when you lose a superstar player, somebody else steps up. And I think this Dallas offense will be fine. I think this Dallas defense needs to figure it out. So again, I think Dallas offensively has a lot of advantages here. I'm kind of going on some intuition and maybe a gut feeling that the defense steps up a little bit. I don't love the Arizona offense. One thing I think could be a big factor here for Dallas is with Dalton, who should, I would think, take care of the football with the skill position talent that's here, they can keep Kyler Murray off the field. They can keep that Arizona offense on the sidelines that likes to run with a lot of tempo. If you get a couple of three and outs from this Dallas defense, that could change the complexion of everything. So Maybe some wishful thinking here, but there is a method to the madness with number 26, the Cowboys, plus one and a half. So the three very likely picks for me this week in the Circa, Lions minus three and a half, Vikings minus four, Cowboys plus one and a half. And I do have four leans here, and these are all games that I do like quite a bit. So that's the challenge for me here this week. I've talked about it a lot. Sometimes it's hard to get to five games. Other times, it's hard to get down to five games because you like several different things on the board. So here are some of those other things that I do like. Number seven, the Tennessee Titans, minus three and a half. Again, I got a side bet, a dinner bet here with Brad Powers, as we discussed on Thursday's Thursday's edition, excuse me, of ATS Radio. I isolated this one early in the week. And maybe I'm kind of getting a little bit scared in part because there are other games that I like but also because there's not a whole lot of support for this point of view here. But the Titans minus three and a half. Look, they're fresher than you would expect them to be. They played on Tuesday, so this is a very quick and rapid turnaround, but also they didn't really practice a whole lot leading up to that game. So I think they're a little bit fresher than you would expect because they didn't go through hitting each other in practice last week and all of that. Second, they blew the bills out. I mean, they won that game comfortably. They didn't exude a ton of effort in that game. So at least there's that. This is a division game against the Texans. So I'm not really worried about the quick turnaround, the game planning, all that type of thing. And furthermore, the Texans in a state of flux without Bill O'Brien. So maybe even worry a little bit more about them having a game plan ready to go up against the Titans here. The Titans got A.J. Brown back on Tuesday night. Seven catches, nine targets from Tannehill. Their offense is dramatically different with A.J. Brown back. Last year, when we saw the Titans go on that massive run, it was because they could run and they could pass. A.J. Brown really emerged in the second half of last season. Now, the Titans were a pretty efficient offensive unit in that game on Tuesday night, 
Brown looked good. It was surprising that he played, but he looked like a weapon for Tannehill. And Tannehill looked really crisp and clean in that game. So there is that. I think you have to reevaluate the Titans, who have been a disappointment to a degree statistically over the course of the season here. But this is a different offense with A.J. Brown. He is their wide receiver one, their guy that really gives them the chance to offset the run. His emergence last year really allowed Derrick Henry to have that massive coming out party in the second half. So I think the Titans are just in a better spot here offensively with A.J. Brown. And of course, as I talked about on yesterday's show, and again, a little bit of my intuition, a little bit of my read into the situation, I compared it with the Houston Astros after the sign-stealing thing. When you are a villain, when you are public enemy number one, all you have are the guys in that locker room. And of course, your individual fan base. But all you really have are the guys in that locker room. Nobody else likes you. And the Titans here really put a lot of things at risk once the COVID cases started popping. Then they had their private team workouts and this and that. They put a lot of things at risk. And the NFL considered coming down hard on them. Probably should have. Probably should have made them forfeit last week's game. But in a court of public opinion, the Titans are public enemy number one. They are a villain. And that creates this us against the world mentality. And I think that ultimately galvanizes a team really brings a team together. I think that's something that can be a positive for the Titans here this week. And if nothing else, maybe it counterbalances the Texans being galvanized with the firing of Bill O'Brien. So I think the Titans are just an outright better team. I don't think the spot is as bad for them as advertised. And frankly, I don't think the Texans are very good. You know, the Texans have played a very tough schedule. And that's probably my sticking point here is that Houston early on in the year played some very good teams, didn't look the part. So their numbers are skewed a little bit. Their metrics are skewed a little bit. Maybe they would have, they would be a better team than they are if they had an easier start to the season. But I think Tennessee is right now in a position where they can find a stride because they're united, because A.J. Brown is back. I think the Titans are ready to take off here. So Titans minus three and a half is a play that I'm definitely looking at here for this week in the Circa. Another one here is number nine, the Giants minus three. And I will be upfront and honest with you. If this line was two and a half, this would be a play. Now I mentioned earlier that I'm not worried about the Lions at minus three and a half when minus three is out there in the market. So you can ask yourself, okay, but then why are you worried about this being three instead of two and a half? And the difference here is that The expectation, the environment expected for that game between the Lions and the Jaguars is a high-scoring game. In this game, the total is what, about 10 points lower? So the expectation here is for a much lower-scoring game between between the Washington football team and the Giants. So I'd rather have the two and a half than have the three in a game expected to be low scoring where points opportunities are at a premium because these two offenses aren't very good. Now, this is kind of a twofold handicap for me. First, I think Washington is just really bad. Their play design has been awful. The quarterback play, I don't think it matters who's back there because they don't have skill position talent and they don't have play design. They don't have the scheming. You look at Ron Rivera, he was lucky to have Christian McCaffrey at the tail end of his Carolina tenure. Very lucky to have MVP level Cam Newton 
He doesn't have either one of those things here in Washington. They could create offense in Carolina. They cannot create offense here in Washington. So I think that this offense is just that bad. And this line did come down from three and a half to two and a half with the announcement that Kyle Allen would start. I don't really think it matters. The offensive line for Washington has been bad. Smith was hit on what, 25% of his dropbacks last week. And I know he's immobile, but it's not like Kyle Allen's out there, you know, being a blazer or anything like that. So I think this Washington offense is God awful. Like this is the worst offense in the NFL. And that includes the New York Jets, by the way. The Giants actually have a higher pressure percentage than Washington. And if you remember back to week one, and I was on the Redskins in that game against the Eagles, the Redskins had eight sacks in that game. The Redskins have seven sacks in their last four games with this pass rush that everybody thinks is awesome. And the personnel is fine. The personnel is good. But they're not really getting to the quarterback as much as you would expect. The Giants actually have a higher pressure percentage. Now, they do blitz a little bit more, so that's part of it. But this Giants defense, they've only allowed 5.3 yards per play here. And when you consider just how impotent their offense is, the situations that they're put into, this defense has played extremely well for the Giants. So I give them a ton of credit for that. The offense is bad, and it's really bad without Saquon Barkley, without a doubt. But when you look statistically here, Washington is terrible, and the Giants are slightly less terrible. So I think that this may be a game that makes my card here where I don't believe in Kyle Allen. I don't believe in anything about Washington offensively. Their offensive line has some injury concerns. And I think this pass rush and this defense may be a little bit overblown for the football team because of that week one game against Philadelphia. I know the Giants are bad. I get it. I'm fully aware of that. But when you look at the rest of this Giants schedule, they play Washington on the road. Cincinnati is much better than anticipated. They've got a top 10 defense per pro football focus. This is probably the game the Giants have to win. This is the only game where they will have an expectation to win. So I think if you're a Giants player, you know, you know that. You know that this is your spot here. So Giants minus three, I think, is very likely to ultimately make my card. And I think I just kind of sold myself on it a little bit more here by talking through my thoughts on the game. You know, a couple of others that that I didn't list here, but they are still on my short list. I kind of thought about Philadelphia against Baltimore. Very contrarian type of play. Philadelphia getting seven and a half in that one. But then I ran a query today uh, over at the Killer Sports database about uh, NFL underdogs of a touchdown or more at home. And they have not done well. In fact, they are 14-32-2 against the spread since the 2018 season. So that's a trend that does not bode well for Philadelphia. And, you know, Philadelphia's run defense isn't bad. So I think that you could make a case for that. But, you know, I don't know what they do offensively. Baltimore has the bye coming up next week. So it's not a look-ahead spot or anything like that. But Philadelphia was on my short list. And maybe I got a little bit too scared on that one. Maybe it's a game I will revisit a little bit more. But I did just want to mention that one. I didn't write down uh, some additional notes on that game for this audio segment. But still, they were one kind of on my short list, along with the Bengals, who, as I mentioned, have a top 10 defense per pro football focus. Joey Burrow looks pretty good when he's got time to throw. Colts still have all those injury injury concerns. Uh, Now the COVID situation where, you know, it seems like it was false positives, but, you know, who knows going forward. So, 
Uh, the Bengals and the Eagles were a couple of teams on my short list as well uh, that I didn't write down extensive notes on, but you know, still a couple of teams that are in the mix for me for this week. And this is one that I think maybe, maybe is dropping off the list a little bit. I'll still mention it here anyway. But the Broncos plus 10, this is just a big number. And, and, you know, we all applauded the Patriots for what they did and how Cam Newton has done and how they've reinvented the offense and this and that. But the Patriots are 26 in, in percentage of possessions ending in points. So as a favorite of 10 points, they've got to create some margin here. And I wonder if they're able to do that. On the other hand, the Broncos are 30th in scoring percentage and then 29th in points per drive. So how much does Drew Locke help that? I don't really know. This will be a low-scoring game, so I think plus 10 does make some sense here. Cam Newton off of COVID, how does he play? The thing that stops me from really considering this game a lot more is that Bill Belichick's had two weeks to prep for this game. And I don't think I want to go against Belichick with so much prep time. So I think this one's kind of fallen off the list for me a little bit. Uh, But Broncos plus 10 is on the short list for consideration for this week. And then lastly here, number 27, the Kansas City Chiefs, they're a three and a half point favorite against the Buffalo Bills in the game on Monday evening, I guess we'll call it. Nothing against the Bills here. I think the Bills are a very good team. Really to me, if Matt Milano and Trey White don't play, the Bills don't stop Kansas City. So that's the handicap for me. It's that simple. It's a very simplistic handicap. If Milano and White don't play, the Chiefs are going to do whatever they want on offense. And then the question becomes, can Josh Allen keep up with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense? And I don't think that he can. Nothing against Josh Allen. Nothing against this Buffalo offense. It's just the Chiefs against a defense with those two big gaps. That's way too much for me to overlook. So we'll see what happens. The Bills are treating their Friday practice like a Thursday. So we'll get a good idea of Milano and White at that point in time. This number is four and a half in the market. So you do get a little bit of line value taking the three and a half. But, you know, again, to me, if Milano and White are out, I'll take Kansas City. If I don't know or if they're playing, then I won't take Kansas City. It's a pretty simple handicap in that regard for me. So hopefully can continue last week's positive results. I'm hoping for a big week here in the NFL. Knock on wood, of course, but you know we'll see how these things play out. And you can see on Saturday night over at ATS.io, my circuit card for week six, the consensus, the pick counts, all that type of thing. And then Sunday morning, we'll have updates on the Westgate Super Contest as well. Once again, as a reminder, no edition of ATS Radio on Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday uh, with the betters box and Brian Blessing, unless I decide to do the betters box on Monday for next week. At which point, follow me on Twitter at Skating Tripods. You'll know when new versions of ATS Radio are posted. And check out our ATS YouTube page as well. Some highlight clips from the show this week and also some videos from Mr. Brian Blessing. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a happy, healthy, smart, safe weekend. And I will talk to you again on either Monday or Tuesday.